0: Welcome to Storytime with Kurt. In each episode, I'd like you to sit back, relax, and just chill out while I read Great Expectations by Charles Dickens. Previously, in Chapter 8 of Great Expectations, well, Pip went to visit Miss Havisham. And Miss Havisham's. Um, young Ward, uh, Estella, who was less than nice to Pip, but Miss Havisham seemed to be a bit nicer. So Pip went back home at the end of the day. Chapter 9 When I reached home, my sister was very curious to know all about Miss Havisham's and asked a number of questions. And I soon found myself getting heavily bumped from behind in the nape of the neck and the small of the back and having my face ignominiously shoved against the kitchen wall because I did not answer those questions at sufficient length. If a dread of not being understood be hidden in the breasts of other young people to anything like the extent to which it used to be hidden in mine, which I consider probable as I have no particular reason to suspect myself of having been a monstrosity, it is the key to many reservations. I felt convinced that if I described Miss Havisham's as my eyes had seen it, I should not be understood. Not only that, but I felt convinced that Miss Havisham too would not be understood "'and although she was perfectly incomprehensible to me, "'I entertained an impression that there would be something coarse and treacherous "'in my dragging her as she really was, to say nothing of Mrs. Stella, "'before the contemplation of Mrs. Joe. "'Consequently, I said as little as I could "'and had my face shoved against the kitchen wall. "'The worst of it was that the bullying old Pumblechook, "'preyed upon by a devouring curiosity to be informed of all I had seen and heard, Came gaping over in his chaise cart at tea time to have the details divulged to him. And the mere sh- shite <laughs> and the mere sight of the torment, with his fishy eyes and mouth open, his sandy hair inquisitively on end and his waistcoat heaving with windy arithmetic made me vicious in my reticence. Well, boy, Uncle Pumblechook began as he soon was seated in the chair of honor by the fire. How did you get up on town? I answered, Pretty well, sir, and my sister shook her fist at me. Pretty well, Mr. Pumblechook repeated. Pretty well is no answer. Tell us what you mean by pretty well, boy whitewash on the forehead hardens the brain into a state of obstinacy perhaps anyhow with whitewash from the wall on my forehead my obstinacy was adamantine 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 i reflected for some time and then answered as if i had discovered a new idea i mean pretty well my sister with an exclamation of impatience was going to fly at me i had no shadow of defense for joe was busy in the forge when mr pumblechook interposed with no don't lose your temper leave this lad to me ma'am leave this lad to me mr pumblechook then turned towards me and as if he were to cut my hair and said first to get our thoughts in order 43 pence I calculated the consequence of replying 400 pound, and finding them against me went as near the answer as I could, which was somewhere about eight pence off. Mr. Pumblechook then put me through my pence table from 12 pence make one shilling up to 40 pence make three and four pence, and then triumphantly demanded as if he had done for me, "'Now, how much is 43 pence?' To which I replied after a long interval of reflection, I don't know, and I was so aggravated that I almost doubt if I did know. Mr. Pumblechook worked his head like a screw to screw it out of me and said, Is forty-three pence seven and sixpence, three farthings, for, for instance? Yes, said I. "'and although my sister instantly boxed my ears, "'it was highly gratifying to me "'to see that the answer spoiled his joke "'and brought him to a dead stop. "'Boy, what like is Mrs. Havish- Miss Havisham?' "'Mr. Pumblechook began again when he had recovered, "'folding his arms tight on his chest "'and applying the screw. "'Very tall and dark,' I told him. "'Is she uncle?' asked my sister. Mr. Pumblechook winked assent, from which I at once inferred that he had never seen Miss Havisham, for she was nothing of the kind. "'Good,' said Mr. Pumblechook conceitedly. "'This is the way to have him. We are beginning to hold our own, I think, Mum.' "'I am sure, Uncle,' returned Mrs. Joe. "'I wish you had h- had him with—always, so you know so well how to deal with him. "'Now, boy, what was she doing of when you went in to-day?' asked Mr. Pumblechook. She was sitting, I answered, in a black velvet couch. Or coach, because that's what the actual word is. Mr. Pumblechook and Mrs. Joe stared at one another, as they well might, and both repeated, In a black velvet coach? Yes, said I. And Mrs. Stella, that's her niece, I think, handed her in cake and wine at the coach window on a gold plate and we all had cake and wine on gold plates. And I got up behind the coach to eat mine because she told me to. Was anyone else there? asked Mr. Pumblechook. Four dogs, said I. Large or small? Immense, said I. And they fought for veal cutlets out of a silver basket. Mr. Pumblechook and Mrs. Joe stared at one another again in utter amazement. I was perfectly frantic, a reckless witness under the torture, and would have told them anything. Where was this coach, in the name of gracious? asked my sister. In Miss Havisham's room. They stared again. But there weren't any horses to it. I added this saving clause in the moment of rejecting four richly caparisoned I don't even know what that word is caparisoned coursers, which I had wild thoughts of harnessing. "'Can this be possible, Uncle?' asked Mrs. Joe. "'What can the boy mean?' "'I'll tell you, Mum," said Mr. Pumblechook. "'My opinion is it's a sedan chair. "'She's flighty, you know, very flighty, quite flighty enough to pass her days in a sedan chair.' "'Did you ever see her in it, Uncle?' asked Mrs. Joe.' "'How could I?' he returned, forced to the admission, "'when I never see her in my life, never clapped eyes upon her.' "'Goodness, uncle, and yet you've spoken to her?' "'Why, don't you know,' said Mr. Pumblechook testily, "'that when I have been there, I have been took up to the outside of her door, "'and the door has stood ajar, and she spoke to me that way. "'Don't say you don't know that, Mum. Howsever the boy went there to play. "'What did you play at, boy?' "'We played with flags,' I said. "'I beg to observe that I think of myself with amazement "'when I recall the lies I told on this occasion. "'Flags?' echoed my sister. "'Yes,' said I. "'Estella waved a blue flag, and I waved a red one, "'and Miss Havisham waved one sprinkled all over "'with little gold stars out the coach window, "'and then we waved all our swords and hurrahed.' Swords? repeated my sister. Where'd you get the swords from? Out of a cupboard, said I, and I saw pistols in it, and jam, and pills, and there was no daylight in the room, but it was all lighted up with candles. That's true, Mum," said Mr. Pumblechook with a grave grave nod. That's the state of the case, for that much I've seen myself. And they both stared at me, and I with an obtrusive show of artlessness on my countenance stared at them and plated the right leg of my trousers with my right hand if they had asked me any more questions i should undoubtedly have betrayed myself for i was even then on the point of mentioning that there was a balloon in the yard and should have hazarded the statement but for my invention being divided between that phenomenon and a bear in the brewery They were so much occupied, however, in discussing the marvels I had already presented for their consideration, that I escaped. The subject still held them when Joe came in from his work to have a cup of tea. To whom my sister, more for the relief of her own mind than for the gratification of his, related my pretended experiences. Now, when I saw Joe open his blue eyes and roll them all around the kitchen in helpless amazement, I was overtaken by penitence, but only as regarded him, not in the least as regarded the other two. Towards Joe and Joe only, I considered myself a young monster while they sat debating what results would come to me from Miss Havisham's acquaintance in favor. They had no doubt that Miss Havisham would do something for me. Their doubts related to the form that something would take. My sister stood out for property. Mr. Pumblechook was in favor of a handsome premium for binding me apprentice to some genteel trade, say the corn and seed trade, for instance. Joe fell into the deepest disgrace with both for offering the bright suggestion that I might only be presented with one of the dogs who had fought for the veal cutlets. If a fool's head can't express better opinions than that, said my sister, and you've got and you've got any work to do, you better go and do it. So he went. After after Mr. Pumblechook had driven off and when my sister was washing up, I stole into the forge to Joe and remained by him until he had done for the night. Then I said, Before the fire goes out, Joe, I should like to tell you something. Should you, Pip? Said Joe, drawing his shoeing stool near the forge. Then tell us, Pip. What is it, Pip? "'Joe,' said I, taking hold of his rolled-up shirt sleeve and twisting it between my finger and thumb. "'You remember all that about Miss Havishams?' "'Remember,' said Joe. "'I believe you. Wonderful.' "'It's a terrible thing, Joe. It ain't true.' "'What are you telling of, Pip?' cried Joe, falling back in the greatest amazement. "'You don't mean to say it's—' "'Yes, I do. It's lies, Joe.' not all of it why sure you don't mean to say pip that there was no black velvet coach or for for i stood shaking my head but at least there were dogs pip come on pip said joe persuasively if there weren't no veal cutlets at least there were dogs no joe a dog said joe a puppy come no joe there was nothing at all of the kind as I fixed my eyes hopelessly on Joe, Joe contemplated me in dismay. Pip, old chap, this won't do, old fellow," I say, where do you expect to go to? It's terrible, Joe, ain't it? Terrible, cried Joe. Awful, what possessed you? I don't know what possessed me, Joe, I replied, letting his shirt sleeve go and sitting down in the ashes at his feet, hanging my head. But I wish you hadn't taught me to call knaves at Cards Jacks. Uh, knaves at Card's Jack's, and I wish my boots weren't so thick or nor my hands so coarse. And then I told Joe that I felt very miserable and that I hadn't been able to explain myself to Mrs. Joe and Pumblechook, who were so rude to me and that there had been a beautiful young lady at Miss Havisham's who was dreadfully proud and that she had said that I was common and that I knew I was common and that I wished I was not common and that the lies had come off it somehow though I didn't know how. This was a case of metaphysics. At least it's difficult for Joe to deal with as for me. But Joe took the case altogether out of the region of metaphysics and by that means vanquished it. There's one thing you may be sure of, Pip, said Joe after some rumination. Namely, that lies is lies. Howsoever they come, they didn't ought to come, and they come from the father of lies and work round to the same. Don't you tell no more of them, Pip. That ain't the way to get out of being common, old chap. And as to being common, I don't make it all out all clear. Uh, wow, that was really clunky. And as to being common, I don't make it out uh, at all. I don't make it out at all clear. That's weird. You are uncommon in some things. You're uncommon small, like you're an uncommon scholar. No, I'm ignorant and backward, Joe. Why? See what a letter you wrote last night, wrote in print even. I've seen letters. Ah, and from gentlefolks that I'll swear weren't wrote in print, said Joe, I've learned next to nothing, Joe, you think much of me, it's only that, well, Pip said, Joe, be it so, or be it so't, but you be you must be a common scholar afore you can be an uncommon one, I should hope. The king upon his throne, with his crown upon his head, can't sit and write his acts of parliament in print without having begun when he were an unpromoted prince with the alphabet. <sighs> ah! Added Joe with a shake of the head that was full of meaning, and begun at A2 and worked his way to Z. And I know what it is to do, though I can't say I have exactly done it. There was some hope in this piece of wisdom, and it rather encouraged me. Whether common ones as to callings and earnings, pursued Joe reflectively, might be the better of continuing for to keep company with common ones instead of going out to play with uncommon ones, which reminds me to hope that there were a flag, perhaps. No, Joe. I'm sorry there weren't a flag, Pip. Whether that might be or mightn't be is a thing that can't be looked into now without putting your sister on the rampage. And that's a thing not to be thought of as being done intentional. Looky here, Pip, at what is said to you by a true friend. Which this to you, the true friends say. If you can't get to be uncommon through going straight, you'll never get to do it through going crooked. So don't tell no more on em, Pip, and live well and die happy. You're not angry with me, Joe? No, old chap, but bearing in mind that them were, which I meant to say of a stunning and audacious sort, alluding to them which bordered on veal cutlets and dogfighting, a sincere well-wisher would advise, Pip, they're being dropped into your meditations when you go upstairs to bed. That's all, old chap, and don't never do it no more. When I got up to my little room and said my prayers, I did not forget Joe's recommendation. And yet my young mind was in that disturbed and unthankful state that I thought long after I laid me down how common Estella would consider Joe a mere blacksmith, how thick his boots and how coarse his hands. I thought, my, I thought how Joe and my sister were then sitting in the kitchen and how I'd come up to bed from the kitchen and how Miss Havisham and Estella never sat in the kitchen but were far above the level of such common doings. I fell asleep recalling what I used to do when I was at Miss Havisham's as though I'd been there weeks or months instead of hours and as though it were quite an old subject of remembrance instead of one that had arisen only that day that was a memorable day for me for it made great changes in me but it is the same with any life imagine one selected day struck out of it and think how different its course would have been pause you who read this and think for a moment of the long chain of iron or gold of thorns or flowers that would never have bound you but for the formation of the first link on one memorable day not memorial day that'd be silly End of chapter nine. Thank you for joining us on Storytime with Kurt. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, simply go to anchor.fm slash Kurt, or find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please don't forget to leave us a review and rate us if you like. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at VOByKurt. If you have any suggestions for future podcasts, feel free to send an email to Kurt at com. See you next time.